Welcome Goddesses. Birth with Love by two mummers, Mel and Sel, St. Magella is a podcast devoted to all who identify as a mother. We are here to evoke inspiration and knowledge while creating a community and a platform where every mother feels connected and heard. We want to shift the focus from the child back to the mother because with a nurtured mother, a nurtured child naturally follows. Join us as we dive headfirst into topics ranging from sex to self-care, with healthy families and a healthy planet always front of mind. We too are mothers, learning, fumbling, triumphing, and we're not afraid to be raw and boldly curious. Let us be that friend that fills your cup after every interaction, because an empowered and happy mother has the potential to change the world. Let's do this. Before we start this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we live, work and raise our children, the Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We would also like to acknowledge that not all mothers will identify as a woman. We will use the collective terms mother and women often, but this is not limited to only those with a womb. It is inclusive of any person who identifies as a mother or a woman, regardless of their sex or gender. Although we can only speak through our experience in heterosexual cisgender homes, we are thrilled that families are diverse and wish for all to feel safe and included in our mama community. Hi Mel. Hello, how are you? Merry afternoon. Merry Christmas. (laughs) How are you feeling? I'm feeling good now that you've served up some bone broth with lemon in it. Yep. We are sipping on our bone broth with lemon because we've both been slightly under the weather this week. Had a itchy throat, snotty nose, all the symptoms of COVID, but not COVID. (laughs) We both actually got a test, Um, which mine took so long to get. The results of how annoying yeah me too it was really two bad nights sleep mm. wondering if we're I... pregnant with covid if pregnant with covid um but anyway enough of that awful c word yes um have you had any other challenges or joys this week mm. other than being sick other than being sick yeah let's focus away from being sick um yes i last week found out that the baby's laying transverse which is kind of sideways yep and I've been wondering why I've been so uncomfortable at night Mm. and just thinking it was (laughs) I thought it was head down but um so that's been a challenge just kind of wrapping my head around that and also not being comfortable at night Mm. but I have booked in for a Cairo appointment tomorrow, which is great. I'm so excited. I can 100% recommend that because mm. I know that feeling of a baby not being in that good head down position can be, it's as a multi, like you, this is your second baby. It's, yeah. it's quite common and I wouldn't be worried, but it does play on your mind. So you just want them to be ready, head down, easy. The thought of having to do all the manoeuvres is a bit 
totally overwhelming but Cairo's are incredible Sadie was such a like compliant little yes. baby and isn't she just and Mazzy was the opposite <laughs> she was head down from like 28 weeks or something um so yeah that's my challenge get through it what about you um challenge mainly just I, I haven't even been as sick as you this week at all but just uncomfortable sleeps little bit of a sore throat and reflux. Just the reflux is annoying. Pushing the reflux. On. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. It's such, it feels like such a little petty worry, but it is just really, if it disturbs your sleep, it's really uncomfortable. Mm. And then it makes you be more mindful about what foods you're putting into your mouth. And of course, all the foods that give you reflux are like comforting foods like the warming kind of tomatoy sauces yeah, any pastas lasagna's carbs any sugar they're all off the a list a nice tea even at the end of the night that's like one of the worst things with is it yeah if you have a tea you have worse reflux so <laughs> yeah so i can't even um drink my third trimester like birth tea Except in the mornings. In the mornings, yeah. But yeah, we want, we didn't want to focus too much on the challenges this week. And mm-hmm. we wanted to also shout out some of our joys. So my joy this past week was having a beautiful little intimate blessing yesterday with some of my closest girlfriends. And it was facilitated by my doula and it was just so magic. It if was picture perfect as yeah. well if, so if you follow us on instagram there's some pictures up there that you'll see of the beautiful mandala altar that my doula did and we did two little rituals little ceremonies where we all put blessings into salt and into a red thread that connects us all so i'm just really loved up in the moving into the labor and birth <laughs> time and i'm just so excited for yeah. A beautiful healing birth. Yeah. In the next. How exciting. Two to five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Or tomorrow. <laughs> Could be Who tomorrow. Um, you any joy? Well, besides attending your blessing, I, I think a joy that I had quite a few times this week was my mornings with Sadie have been mm. super, super cute. Like when um, I was really sick and she wasn't really around, um, she was with her Nana because Nick and I barely slept and blah, blah. Anyway, um, I really missed her. Mm. I think it's something to do with (laughs) pregnancy as well because I feel like the attachment I have with Mazzy, maybe it's because I know that it's not going to be just her and I anymore, but our attachment is so strong at the moment and she also stayed at her gmas with tim on saturday night and i was lost without them i think i had a worse sleep because they weren't here and i hated not being under the same roof as her like i honestly was just like when are you coming home in the morning (laughs) hurry up because i just feel so attached even when she i want that spare time to myself i've got that i've got that bad so i spent the whole day trying to sleep because i was unwell but I flicked through my phone looking at all her newborn pictures, getting excited about having another yes. newborn, but also just missing her company. Anyway, so the mornings have been really special. She's just comes straight to my room from her room and that. gives us a cuddle in bed. And it's just a nice little ritual. 
love it. It's so it's such a special time that we're both in at the moment. I think mm. coming to the end of our pregnancies, knowing that there's going to be another little person to come, and just lapping up those last moments <laughs> of them just being one. Yeah. Our firstborn little chickens. <laughs> So, so today we've got a special guest, Hannah Oppie. She's a mother, midwife and nurse that works in a tertiary hospital in Melbourne, caring for women with significant mental health issues, drug and alcohol addiction, adolescents and women with intellectual disabilities as well. Her role encompasses the antenatal and immediate postpartum time. We chatted to Hannah about the support available, identifying mental illness, myth-busting about medication in pregnancy and ways that a loved one can support a mother through postnatal depression. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to Hannah. Um, Hello. So lovely to have you here on Zoom on our potty. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. How are you feeling? How's your Saturday Um, morning? Oh, it's been pretty nice. Uh, Just woke up. I slept until seven, which is nice. Um, and we've got a little coffee shop down the road. So we kind of paper scissor rock who goes down to get the coffee. So we've had a coffee. Um, yeah, we've only got one of our three kids here at the moment, which is nice. Um, so it's been a little bit slower and less um, less mums going around the, the house today. Yes. <laughs> Good start to the weekend. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and your career? Yeah, so um, my name's Hannah. I'm a midwife, a mum. I work at a big a tertiary centre in Melbourne. Um, I've been a mum now for nine years. So our eldest is nine. We have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, I've been a midwife and nurse for 10 years now. So I started off as just a, not just a nurse, but a nurse and then did my postgrad in midwifery in 2014. Um in the mix of having my second baby and doing all that. So that was, that was a busy time. We got through Mm. that. Um, I work in a specialized team at the hospital that I work for. Um, It's a team of, it consists of six midwives total, one doctor, and we care for women with significant mental health concerns. So that are pregnant, obviously. So we care for them in a case management style um, model and get to know them really well throughout their pregnancies to build that rapport and trust that every woman needs, but particularly vulnerable women with significant mental health or other concerns. So there's a bit of a mixed bag of the women that we look after, um, which includes adolescents, so under 21s, women with significant mental health, as I mentioned, and women with any drug and alcohol history. So whether that's past or current. Um, So yeah, a bit of a gamut of those. And a lot of those come hand in hand. Yeah. And just to clarify, so all of those women's women are um, pregnant or is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a pregnancy, pregnancy care team. Yeah. Yes. And you work with women through the antenatal or perinatal period and postpartum as well? Yeah. So our role is predominantly antenatal care. Um, but the way we work is we don't work clinically on the floor. So we work clinic one day a week, but we have um, a setup where we do booking appointments every day of the week. And then Mondays to Fridays, when our women are present on the ward, whether as an antenate or a postnate, we also review and support them on the ward and also do their home visits. Okay. So, 
We do, we basically do, um, yeah, like I said, we don't work on the floor, but we work as a support team for these women. So we don't do birth suite, we don't deliver their babies because we don't have the capacity to kind of fit that in and be on call. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we give them lots of education on the ward, um, liaising with any other professionals that are involved with them that need to make a plan like discharge planning and then home visits as well. So yeah. And typically how long do these, um, does this support run for? Is it from pregnancy? Yeah, so it's through pregnancy through to the end of home visits. So generally like one week postpartum, two week, depending on what they need, how long they've stayed in the hospital, things like that. So yep. yeah. And for those who might not know what the definition of perinatal mental health is, can you explain that a little further? Yeah, so perinatal mental sorry, health. Yep. Sorry, I just want to say we use the word antenatal and perinatal a lot. Yeah, changeable. Yeah, no. So okay. um, perinatal is from conception right through to one year postpartum. Okay. And antenatal is the pregnancy period time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. That makes, that's really clarifying. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So antenatal is while you're pregnant, perinatal encompasses that conception right through to one year postpartum. Mm. Yeah. I feel so dumb that I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think of- I need to take my registration away from myself. <laughs> We're a no. podcast and we don't know that we deal with the perinatal period. <laughs> Yeah, like, but it's it's if you're not doing it every day, before I did this role, I didn't know that either. So um, yeah. as a midwife, so don't feel like you've, you're dumb for not knowing it. I didn't know it either until I was, you know, knee deep in this role. So yeah, so it's really encompassing that whole period of exactly from conception to one year, just the critical vulnerable time. Because yeah. the moment you conceive in those really early weeks of pregnancy, uh, a wild ride it's not just when you get towards the end of pregnancy or the middle and then of course we know the first year of motherhood is very very <laughs> wild and yes. very vulnerable and a lot happens yeah yeah absolutely so many changes so perinatal mental health is your mental health status throughout that period of time essentially yeah yeah um, and can you tell us more about the team that you work with So, um, and what the aims of the service is? Yeah. So the team, um, like I mentioned before, is a really small team um, and we look after adolescents, women with drug and alcohol addiction, whether that's past or present, and anyone with significant mental health. So we have the capacity as a whole team to take on about 20 women a month. Um, so we get sent, we, we often, we don't knock anyone back really. So if we get a late referral and we're already at 25 for the month, we're not going to say, no, sorry, we won't look after you if they've, you know, got a significant mental health history, we, we, we take on that load. Um, so that's just what we're funded for essentially. But yeah, anyway, that's the complexities of it. We're trying to push for um, a bit more funding for more staff and things to expand the service, but that's a whole nother podcast, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're split off into two sides. We're a whole team, but we're split off into two sides so we can just case manage a little better. Um, there's my side of the team where drug and alcohol, mental health, and then there's the adolescent and intellectual disabilities. That's a big part of the team as well. So any woman with an intellectual disability that's pregnant will fall under that adolescent criteria. Um, and that's just how we divide the numbers. So we, cause we've got more EFT in our team, we take on 12 a month and adolescents ID take on eight women a month. Um, we both have a mobile phone, 
which the women can contact us on at any time. We work Mondays to Fridays in business hours. Um, they can call us, text us, communicate with us, anything like that. Um, we do a lot of liaising with social work or other community support workers that are involved with our women. Um, and sometimes that includes child protection and things like that for supports for these women. Um, we've got another service um, which is called Healthy Mums, Healthy Bubs, which I think a lot of hospitals have. Yeah. Um, and they work with the women through pregnancy right through to that six to eight week postpartum. So there's lots of liaising with other health professionals. We've got the psychiatry that we work really close with, our antenatal psychiatrists. We've got our social workers. Um, so we're always talking and liaising about how we can best support these women. The aim is to engage them in pregnancy care because a lot of these women are really hesitant to engage in pregnancy care. There's a lot of fear around hospitals. There's a lot of fear around the system. So it's building that strong rapport with these women for great outcomes for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we're basically available for these women five out of seven days a week. So we, we have them in at their scheduled antenatal review appointment times, but if they need to call us and talk to us because they're not doing so well, they can do that as well. So, and if we feel like they're not doing so well, we'll organise an extra phone call or an extra antenatal appointment. So our care is really flexible. We've even, for some of our women... One woman recently, she has really minimal supports. So we said, you know what, why don't once a week you come in, you have a coffee with us, we'll sit down, we'll have a chat, see how you're going, whatever they need. So it's, it's really multifaceted what we do. So, And it's also, I suppose, based on continuity of care as well. Yes, so absolutely. And that's increasing the positive outcomes for them as well, which is fantastic. Absolutely. That continuity of care is really important. Amazing. And how does a person qualify to be supported by your team at work? Yep. Um, so mental health. So you have to have significant mental health. So if you, for instance, have a bit of anxiety, you're medicated, that referral will still come to us, but we'll call you and say, how are you going? Are you well supported? Do you feel like you need us as a team? Or do you feel like you've got enough supports in place that you can manage on your own and maybe just contact us if you start to feel a bit wobbly throughout the pregnancy so we don't take on I feel like at the moment if we if we took on every person woman oh. with anxiety yeah we would be seeing the whole the of, whole of Australia the whole of Australia. <laughs> so basically we try and um be a little bit selective so significant mental health so anyone with a history of schizophrenia bipolar schizoaffective disorder major depression or pnd mm -hmm. um, borderline personality disorders they're the ones adhd we're seeing a lot of women with adhd now we really try and take those ones on as a priority um, rather than um, depression and anxiety that is well managed at the moment so, um, yeah, so they're the ones that we kind of take on first. Also, any women with, like I said, current or past drug addiction. So those women are really vulnerable as well. Even if they've been really stable and clean for a long time, we will always offer our service to them because it can be, like we know, a really challenging and vulnerable time in pregnancy. Um, so definitely anyone with current um, addictions. So whether that's heroin, methamphetamines, you have to be smoking a gram or more of cannabis to be in our team. So okay. anything under a gram, we're like, nope, nope, you're fine. We, we, can, give, we can give you some advice, but we, we, you know, 
take the ones that are over a gram. Um, So to put that in context, a gram of cannabis, you can get about 10 bongs out of. So you have to be smoking a more bongs a day. Smoking a lot. A gram a day. Uh, a gram a week. A gram a week. No, a gram a day. A gram a day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have to be smoking a a gram or more a day. Wow. Wow. That would would be significant. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, a lot of these women that are using substances do have mental health. So they automatically come into our team. Yeah. Um, And then again, the adolescents. So anyone under 21, again, young and vulnerable, um, we will take on and anyone with an intellectual disability. Mm. So even under 21 without mental health problems, just under 21. Yeah. I guess very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people, I suppose, would be like, oh, no, I don't really need that help. I've got a really supportive family and whatever's going on. Yeah. And we we call them off our mobile. So we're like, save our number. If you need a chat, give us a call. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. How would you identify mental health as it arises in pregnancy? Are there common signs or symptoms that you would call red flags? Yeah, so because we know our women quite well, we can tend to tell when they're starting to get a little bit wobbly or their mental health is deteriorating. We often see mental health deteriorating around, I would say between like 20 to 28 weeks is a really common common theme to see women's mental health deteriorate, especially Mm -hmm. um, women that are medicated. So what we know about pregnancy, when you're pregnant, your blood volume increases. So any medication you're taking at the start of pregnancy that keeps you stable essentially becomes diluted. Yeah. So um, that's when we start having conversations. We start having these conversations early on in the pregnancy when we book them and we're like, just as a warning, you may start to feel a little bit worse come 20 to 28 weeks. It can happen at any point. But that's the most common time that I've subjectively seen. Um, And we say that might be a time that you need to increase your medication. So a lot of our a lot of our time is spent on the phone with these women, kind of just de-escalating how they feel and reassuring them that it's normal to feel this way at this point in their pregnancy. And it's just about tweaking their medications. So um, a lot of the red flags, we get lots of phone calls, lots of texts, they're teary um, or they say if they've got really bad anxiety, they're not leaving the house, um, lots of things. Some women with um, the more severe mental health, say schizoaffective, um, uh, schizophrenia, um, stuff like that. We've had a couple of women that have just started calling us and it's really tangible, like they can't stick to a theme and they're just talking, talking, they're bouncing their themes of what they're trying to tell us and not really getting to a point. Um, Women that we've been really worried about, then we will actually call the psych triage service. Um, We get consent. We say, we don't think things are quite going too well. How about we call psych triage service for you and get you linked with the CAT team? Mm -hmm. Um, So it it can present in lots of different ways. So it's just about knowing the woman and knowing what their triggers are. Um, We always ask about sleep because sleep deprivation, one of the first things that will go will be their sleep. Um, Whether, yeah, like I said, not being able to leave the house or that, yeah, not really making sense in there, not really forming proper thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you can tell when you know someone. I yeah. can imagine it. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it would be to have a mental illness on top of pregnancy because it's already so destabilizing. Yeah. Absolutely. And you already question your mental state. Mm. Well, I've experienced in early, you know, pregnancy. So 
Yeah. Wow. And like, yeah, just so, so many hormonal changes Mm. and so many really, I I feel like exaggerated feelings, I suppose. Mm. Like everything can either really, really affect you, really hit you more when you're pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great that you guys can kind of um, raise the awareness of that um, blood um yeah. content yeah. thing because yeah. they would they could think that oh no things are getting worse yeah you no know, yeah. without realizing yeah. and is it mm. then link it in really negatively to towards pregnancy. pregnancy and the baby yeah. and things like that mm. so on a on the note of drugs and medications through pregnancy um what is your advice on medications through pregnancy and how safe they are for baby because I know a lot of women are really concerned about staying on their medications. A lot of misinformation is given out by doctors as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a huge one. So yeah. um, a lot of our women that come through our service have come off their medication at the start of pregnancy. And we're like, no, yeah. so many of them are so safe in pregnancy. Um yeah. And sure, every medication, there's a risk. I'm not saying that there's not, but generally speaking, majority of the medications, the benefit of taking them outweighs the risk that there is to baby. Yes. And that's that's what we reinforce. So we work really closely with our psychiatrists and um, a pharmacist at work who's an expert in um, pregnancy and breastfeeding medications and what's safe and what's not. And the public, there's a, there's a phone number that you can call. Yeah, is this Rodney White? (laughs) Exactly, Rodney. He's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like the god of the information around medication. Oh, he's amazing. And yeah. already shared his name yeah. as well. Yeah, Rodney is just amazing. <laughs> and he'll just reel off all these research articles and facts and stats. And you're like, so it's fine. He's like, yeah, that's fine. So, and he's he's fun to talk to as well, which makes it even better. Yeah. Um, so yes, lots of misinformation out there about medications. There's only very few that really aren't safe in um, pregnancy. Um, but your general ones for depression, anxiety, keep taking them is what we tell our women. Um, don't be afraid of it. And if you want to come off it and then that's fine and you want to see how you go, we're fully supportive of that. Um, and we're fully supportive of you jumping back on them if you feel like you need them. Um, so you've talked about the support that your team offer. Um, what about financially? I mean, is this bulk build? Yeah, so it's a public hospital. So yeah. nothing costs you anything through us. We're yeah. free, yeah. essentially. That's- free for the women, not yeah. for the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and are there other services that you can recommend as well that we should be kind of sharing here? Yeah, I think there's a couple of really great bulk billing psychology services. Mm-hmm. Um, one that we use... Although it's it may not be worth it because now the wait list for them are so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one called Gidget House and Raphael Services that we often try and get our women into for psychological um, therapies. Their bulk build, they they specialize in perinatal. Um, so and they're free, so bulk build. So they're really great ones. Another great resource is the iCope website. So iCope is, I just have to get up what it stands for, but that it's all about our oh, center of perinatal excellence. So <laughs> on there, they have a directory. So you can put in your postcode and you can put in what you're looking for, whether it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist. A lot of people don't know the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist as well. 
Psychiatrist um, has medication involved. Is that it's there? Yeah, so they've done medicine yes. and they're specialized in psychiatry. So they're um, doctors that can prescribe medications, and psychologists have done um, their degree in psychology. So it's a lot of those talking based therapies. Yes. Both fantastic and really beneficial. Um, so yeah, iCope have a great directory. So you can put in what you're looking for and your postcode, whether you want it bulk build or you're happy to pay, and it will come up with a list of providers on their directory that you can pick. So if you look through and you're not sure who to pick, because sometimes your GP just refers you to whoever they know, but yes. if you're looking for something more specific or someone that you feel you'll gel better with, they've got a great list of um, providers on there. And for those mothers that don't know, um, you can, and not not just mothers as well, you can go on a mental health plan with yeah. your GP. I'm going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To get, what is it, five sessions or something? Oh, it's increased it's now. About 20 now since COVID. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. So it and used to be six sessions old. up to yeah. 10 and now it's 10 up to 20. 10 up to 20, yeah. Wow. yeah. And it's, I think it um, depends on which clinic you go to. It's not completely bulk billed it everywhere, but yeah. it there is definitely a subsidy Yes. involved yeah. so if you can afford to put out some money for it as well that's a good resource yeah and there's a great um we a lot of our women who can afford private psychiatry go to glow clinic um mm. and they've got a great um team of psychiatrists and psychologists that uh specialize in perinatal mental health okay. i think i've actually heard of glow clinic yeah 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 so do you have any tips for women about managing their mental well-being during pregnancy, perhaps towards the early stage when there's a lot of secrecy and there's not much communication with your friends or your family. Feels like there's no support at that time. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, I'm someone who's um, loud and proud. So I, when I've been pregnant, I've basically told my close support. So, um, so that if something were to happen, which it has happened to us in our last pregnancy, mm-hmm. then people are there for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's really hard because everyone's so different, and it depends on what your pregnancy journeys have been in the past. You may have had multiple miscarriages so you feel like you don't want to share but um yeah I think um for me um just your support so and it's hard because some women don't have support do they so yeah it's really hard to kind of if you've got it and then if not reaching out for support that you might be able to find your gp yeah your gp i think trying to find a really great gp is really beneficial so Mm. if you can find that gp that you can lean on and they you know that they're available to you to talk um and to provide you with a mental mental health plan um really beneficial and it's a simple things isn't it like filling up your cup pnd mm-hmm. yes postnatal depression can you define this for our listeners and tell us a little bit about it postnatal mm-hmm. depression is in the post birth period so anywhere in the first year post Postpartum. So, where do you want like the proper definition for it while we're here, or sure. what do you yeah, want? I'll just I'll get it. I'll actually so that it's really clear. I'll get it off the. I've got the Center of Perinatal Excellence up here. So let me get the actual definition for you. <laughs> I'll just get it. So I'm not. Um, but it's basically that sadness, isn't it? In the first first year, yeah, that, that overwhelming sadness. That mm. yep doesn't go away does it isn't caused by anything essentially yeah 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 (laughs) besides yeah 
but there's not like a clear cut reason. No. And it's often really hormonal in that first, that first year. Cause as you've, as you ladies know, the first year is it's Intense. challenging with sleep, <laughs> sleep depression and sleep depression, sleep deprivation. Um, and sleep depression right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so it's really depression experienced at any time. Um, in the postnatal period. So they talk about perinatal and postnatal. Um, so perinatal again encompasses that whole preconception to postpartum period. So the symptoms, um, it's likely to, you're likely to experience a loss of interest or pleasure in your everyday life together with a range of physical symptoms such as lethargy and numbness, cognitive, which is negative thinking, behavioral, which is withdrawal, and there are emotional symptoms such as teariness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's such a, a stigma and taboo around this PND. So how can we start to break down that barrier that women don't want to share that they're experiencing some of these feelings? Yeah, I think the reason there's such a stigma is because we're not talking. So I think the first thing we can do is talk about it and normalize it and normalize that, you know, the way that you feel when you have a baby. When I had my first baby, I didn't get that overwhelming oxytocin oh my god I love you I was like oh I know I love you but I'm not feeling that I love you and it grew over time and then with my other two babies I did have that instant abundance of joy so talking about that as well like normalizing that I think is really important because I think the women that don't feel that abundance of love when they first have their baby kind of feel like they're not connected to their baby and I definitely I felt connected to Chloe I just didn't um, have that flooding of emotion and love and all of that it grew over days and weeks and months um lead to a lot of guilt or feeling like a bad mom or all these silly ideas crop into your head yeah normalizing it I think is the first step to Mm. reducing the stigma so it's really really common it's really common for women to not feel connected to their babies in pregnancy and not feel greatly connected to their babies postpartum it's normal um well it's not essentially normal but it is common to feel that way Um, and you don't have to feel that way um you can get help for it so I think that's the first thing to really reducing the stigma is talking about it and um, normalizing that you're not the only one to feel like that. Yeah, for sure. I know that I, I didn't have postnatal, but I was really afraid of it with Sadie. Yeah. Um, just given, um, I guess, I don't know if it's a risk factor, but having had anxiety. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I was there a family history that you're worried about? Yeah, no. Oh, my mum has depression, for example. Okay, yeah. So I invested in getting a, um, my placenta encapsulated as an example of something that I'd heard could be good for me. Are there things like that that you know to, I yeah, guess? Yeah, so I think there should be more research done on the placenta encapsulation stuff because there's not actually a lot out there. It's a lot of subjective stuff from women that have felt it really benefited from them. Yeah, I've, I've enca- encapsulated placentas, not all of them. Um, I had more time with the first, so <laughs> that was what I did. Um, and then the second, I've got a funny story about the placenta for when I had my son. It was in my mum's freezer for ages and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to it. Oh no, I'm just going to bury it now. And then all of a sudden my mum called me one day. She's like, someone's 
taken out your placenta and it's defrosting on my bench. I was like, well, it wasn't me. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Quick, make it a smoothie. Oh, that was similar to what happened to my placenta. I, someone had turned or someone had taken it from my in-laws freezer and then put it into my partner's beer fridge in the shed <laughs> and defrosted and sat in there and I was just like, a bag of juice oh, when I buried yes. it was so bad I was like but I really wanted to bury it and it to be special so I had such like <laughs> wanted to have this beautiful ceremony and then we have these yeah juicy defrosted mum was like I'm looking at it and there's bits of hair in it I was like oh gosh mum <laughs> <laughs> so what did um, you do with it in the end um, yeah, we just buried it. Yeah. Just we had to rush to mum's pick it anyway. What a yeah, well I feel like anyway. we should shout out to anyone <laughs> on Instagram to give us their placent- funny placenta story. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> there's must happen sure all there's, the time. Yeah, but um so I encapsulated the first one, but not till later on, and I ended up using I took the um I found that the capsules helped. I used to get really um premenstrual like bad premenstrual headaches and I felt when I took these like a week before my period would you I didn't get them so who knows whether it was just circumstantial or who knows but um yeah I that was worked for me in terms of that because I did had it in the freezer for quite some time and didn't encapsulate it for a while but that worked for me in terms of the premenstrual period so helping with those hormones and Mm. all of that. Um, I know my cousin, she um, encapsulated both of her placentas. The second placenta, we took some fresh slices off it and I made her a placenta smoothie Yes, every day for the first week. Um, She's got a history of um, mental health. So we did that to help her. Um, You'd have to talk to her about that, whether she felt like it helped or not, but um, it may have helped for the first little while. Um, anecdotal story of women saying that it really does make a difference and look I didn't have postnatal depression so I don't I don't know if it worked but I do recognize that it made me uh feel speedy yes I I have heard some other women say so I take it and I just have this burst of energy yeah yeah which was great but then I didn't want that maybe not at the the wrong time yeah I really wanted to just settle in and Yeah. yeah Absolutely. So, yeah, I think if you want to do it, um, go ahead and get it done properly probably is good advice. There's mm. lots of people out there that do it properly. There's a whole process. So when I, I had a midwife come around and we actually did it together, so she showed me the whole process. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it was a great learning experience um, and, yeah. So are there any other things that you could do to avoid postnatal? That can... I think it's hard. So hard, isn't it? I so the first 40 days I know there's a book on that yes um, I think that is a really good premise to go off I wish I had have done it. I didn't do it I'm I get really like pumped up and excited after I have a baby I feel like I really shine postpartum for some reason I, I think just it's a natural tendency to do yeah, that yeah 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 I'm like oh, I love it it's you've just flooded with all this oxytocin and you're like oh, I've got this like beautiful baby yeah. yeah so but a lot of people don't feel like that but I really love pregnancy and the first year that's I really really thrive off that and then give me a toddler and I'm a hot mess Um, (laughs) um, but um, yeah I think that first 40 days having really nourishing foods lots of rest your village your support taking it easy so just I like to use the analogy of we're always juggling balls and Mm -hmm. some of our balls are glass and some of them are plastic 
drop the plastic balls. No one, yeah. the plastic balls, it doesn't matter. They're not going to shatter and break. Just yeah. piff them to the side and just juggle those couple of glass balls that you need to juggle. Oh, I so, love that. Such yeah, a- it's prioritising, isn't it? So that's, that's Sorry. a snippet. <laughs> Cleaning is definitely a plastic one, isn't it? Cleaning. Yes, is- cleaning is plastic. <laughs> let it go. Yeah. Let's let it go. Yeah. Clean break over here. Oh, God. Yeah, no, my husband's the tidier. I'm the cleaner, but he, so the house is always tidy. It's not necessarily always clean, but at least it's always tidy. But, um, yeah, drop. you just got to figure out your your list of what's glass and what's plastic and let go of the plastic yeah. ones. Is and my the glass one is your personal self-care yes oh absolutely yeah Yeah. and when people want to come and see your baby be like that's fine but if you want to come you need to bring me a meal or put on the washing or do my dishes and if you if you don't hold my baby that is just what's going on yeah too bad so sad sad. yeah as I say to my kids bad luck little black duck (laughs) (laughs) all right so perfect I'm going to take that sign and put it on my door when I have my baby. Bad luck, little duck. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I think we've talked about this before in other podcasts, but really working out what your boundaries are for that postnatal period yeah. can yeah. really set you up and maybe expressing those to your loved ones and friends and family um, yeah. prior just to ease the stress and mm. burden at that time. Yeah. And even establishing those boundaries through your pregnancy, what your boundaries yeah. are through the pregnancy, um, your expectations towards the end especially because I feel like for this pregnancy I just want to go so inward and I've got some really clear boundaries that I'm going to set for the end of my pregnancy Mm. in terms of what people speak to me about Mm. what type of like conversations and how many people are around me like I don't want any energy especially in the whole of the COVID era that we're in now like I don't want to sit down and have a family dinner and talk about COVID and how many yeah, people are in ice. Yeah, anything yeah. fear-based. Yeah, it's protecting your energy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. super important. So coming back to PND, yes. how do we kind of define between normal baby blues and yep. then a diagnosis of PND? Yeah, so the baby blues are in the first three to four days post-birth. So, so the baby blues are what you can experience that really you all of a sudden feel like you're really teary for absolutely no reason. Uh, that's associated with your milk coming in and all those hormones shifting. So it's normal in the first few days to week post-birth um, as well. You know, it, it's, it's really, really common. We go to see our women day three, day four on the ward and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like, well, firstly, you your boobs are up to your chin and um, you've got some baby blues, which is totally normal. Your hormones are raging. This is normal and it will subside. Okay. And they're like, okay, all right. Okay. So that's just related to your hormones shifting and your milk coming in, which is we, we relay it as a good thing. We're like, this is great. Your hormones are working everything. Good sign. You know? Yeah. And some women don't get it at all. And some women get it really badly. So um, the difference is that if it it shouldn't continue for longer than a week Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're still feeling that teariness that you're really sad and flat unmotivated all of that you don't have any joy you're not getting any joy out of anything Mm -hmm. that would then be coming more pnd Mm -hmm. rather than the post the the, those immediate post baby blues yeah okay yeah i remember being in hospital because i went private so i was there for five days I think it was like the third or fourth day Nick Nick left and um 
I said, well, it wasn't even sadness, but I just did. I just wept. I was like, Whoa. what do I do now yeah I I my circumstances probably just completely different because adrenaline was just so present in in my fight or flight we were in the NICU so I didn't have that baby blues period or you didn't feel it no well I didn't feel it because there were so many other hormonal things going on yeah but it'll be really interesting to see because I am a hard person to get to cry. <laughs> <laughs> She's a tough nut. <laughs> well, post baby blues crack Celeste. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. <laughs> and we have a few listener questions now. Yep. Um, how long would you say that postnatal depression or perinatal for that matter typically lasts? Is there like a general range or is it really? Yeah. How long is a piece of string? Piece of string. How yeah. long is labor? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When am I going to have my baby? I yeah. say to women, if I could predict this, I would be a millionaire by now, but um, we don't we don't know. So, um, you know, you can, like you were saying before, Mel, you are at bigger risk if you have been diagnosed with a mental health condition prior to pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also you can be completely have no mental health history at all and get peri- as you know be diagnosed with something in the perinatal period um, and how long it lasts it could be a few months it could be years it could be the rest of your life yes. who knows it's it's okay. dependent for each woman yeah okay so if you've had a history of PND in a previous pregnancy does that make you more at risk for PND again yeah, so if you had any mental health diagnosis, you you are more at risk of developing it in in the post postpartum period. Okay, and other risk factors would include, I suppose, minimal support, um, traumatic birth. Absolutely, lots of yeah, 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 all of that PTSD, any mental health um, condition, you are at a slightly increased risk for PND. Mm. Uh, is there anything like multiple pregnancies does that increase your risk I don't think so Mm. I don't know to be honest Um, it could maybe I don't think there's enough evidence out there to say if you were you know pregnant with multiples that you're at high risk maybe because there's more hormones there's more to do you've got double the workload seems more stressful (laughs) yeah exactly so um, and do you have any advice for friends of sufferers? So we often talk about the sufferer, but how can we help our friends that have postnatal depression? I think asking them what you can do. So um, with friends and family, I've just had really frank conversations and I'm like, tell me exactly what I can do. What can I do? What's going to help you? Is it leaving you alone? Is it just coming around if you don't answer the phone am I am I knocking on your door because that's generally what I'll do anyway yeah. um, especially to family and friends that I'm super close with if they don't answer my phone calls and I know that they've not been great I just turn up yeah yeah like don't try I'm just good because sometimes that's you know you want a personally when I've been unwell with my mental health I kind of become a bit of a recluse I stay inside I don't talk to anyone you know and then yeah, someone turns really up not. and I'm to make me feel better. So um, I think asking them when they're well what what they need is good so that you can prepare for it. Mm. Um, again, it's all about that open talking, isn't it? Yeah. I Perhaps think having be... that discussion in pregnancy as well, like if this was to occur, 
what type of support yeah. would you mm. really appreciate? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it can be hard for friends and loved ones because they just don't know when to overstep or when they're overstepping the mark. Yeah. But I guess at showing that you care and and yeah. and the never- bad thing <laughs> and in close relationships a person can always then be like sorry I really like you're at their door and say sorry I really don't feel like seeing anybody right now yeah then, absolutely at least you've yeah. met you've gone there like recently with um my dad passing I I've been getting a lot of text messages and calls and I, my phone will die or whatever happens and then I'm like any close friends just pop in yeah like I'll tell you to go away if I don't want you yeah <laughs> like absolutely. I will I'll be yeah. honest and just be like no nah, I'm not feeling it right now I want to go yeah. to that bath absolutely yeah. sorry yeah. to hear oh, that Celeste so that's nice. really hard oh, thank you yeah so it's it's all about just talking setting boundaries being and and I guess not taking offense to if they're really snappy with you because obviously yeah. when our mental health is bad if we can be really snappy and um scary just I guess not taking it personally and it might be just as a support just dropping a meal at the door or just sending a message saying I'm thinking of you um turning up on the doorstep whatever that may be yeah yeah and obviously empowering yourself with some knowledge research um you know if you've got a good friend going through it have a look into it what does it mean what could Mm. they be experiencing normalize it for them tell them that like this is you've learned this this. is really common a lot of other women are feeling the same Mm. yeah spreading that knowledge as well through things like this yeah like talking about it and not being afraid to talk about it yes because lots of people are like oh do I ask what do I do I now I'm just like how's your mental health what's happened how are you feeling but I'm doing it every day as well so it's easy for me but those conversations can be a bit overwhelming to have to start to have but um yeah with close family and friends I find it a lot easier now just to start the conversation up well it should just be a normal instead of Mm. the conversations that you do have with new mothers around how is the baby sleeping and Mm. these things that sometimes aren't that helpful for them how about just straight up be like how is your mental health Mm. like you're giving a total opportunity to open up here Mm. um which they can easily say fine or go into yeah exactly so that's a fantastic question for friends and family to remember and not trying to provide an answer for them as well sometimes sometimes it's just acknowledging what they're saying and just listening yes what they're feeling and just acknowledging that it's really a hard time for them yeah we had a previous guest um recently that had gone through some significant um postnatal I guess postnatal depression um and she really made it clear by saying likened it to breaking an arm or you know it's yes physical health and you've got your mental Mm. health in there to be treated the same the same in essence yeah Yeah, exactly the same like if you if yeah if you broke a bone Mm. it's just like your brain is an organ it's just part of your physical body the way that it normally does yeah yeah and and that's great because that's exactly how I liken it to when in with friends and family if their mental health is bad and their um their doctor has suggested maybe starting some medication and they're really hesitant about it I always say to them if you had you know eczema on your face would you do everything you can to try and reduce the eczema on your face or your arm or wherever it may be and they're like yeah I'm like well mental health is the same thing if there's something that could potentially make it better maybe try it Mm. 
So that's uh, yeah around it, the whole yeah. thing. But it has. There's definitely been a lot of progression in the Absolutely. last ten years um, with mental health overall, and especially postnatal depression, and a lot of more women. I think social media has been a fantastic. Probably there's some negative effects of social media, yeah, definitely, and the super mums. But um, there's been amazing progress through social media. People just because maybe they feel more comfortable behind a screen to share that perhaps they experience postnatal depression and these are the emotions that they felt and mm. that gives other women permission to then be like, oh, yes, me too. And it's a fantastic movement, really. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We've come a long way, definitely. We have. Yes. If, can, if you think about, I don't know, our parents and our grandparents, like there would have never been a focus for our poor little grandmas on how they felt and they had like my there probably wasn't even a name for it yeah (laughs) no yeah my maternal grandmother had really really significant mental health and actually passed away when my mum was only um 12 or 13 Mm. um so yeah and there was huge stigma surrounding that when she was when she was unwell so yeah, we've definitely we're so lucky for I think I feel for our family and every woman and person these days that there's so much available to us and there's no really I think the stigma has significantly reduced. I it's still out there, but it's not what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of um, is there I don't know if you know the statistics around um, suicide and postnatal depression. And is that very prevalent amongst our Australian women? I'm not sure on the statistics, Celeste, actually. It'd be interesting to see, but it is um, it is there. Mm-hmm. But obviously, especially, it's never talked about in, suicides are never talked about in mainstream media. Yeah. Um, um, you'll notice, yeah, there's, it's never, never, ever no, talked it's about. it's like they don't want to promote it or something. No, absolutely. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, it is still there. I don't know how, this is a Google search, so yeah. I can't say that this is 100% true, but it says that a leading cause of maternal death in Australia, because maternal death is so low mm. through birth and things like that, is suicide in pregnancy yes. or the 12 months following birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says if, uh, approximately 15% of women will have depression, depression or anxiety throughout pregnancy and the postnatal period. So that's very significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Posit- and that's just the that's just the ones that are documented, isn't it? Yes, yes of course. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, on a positive note, um, I guess do you see a lot of turnaround um you know people come to you in a vulnerable state and I assume that you with the work you're doing you'd see um good results yeah well that's the premise of the team isn't it so um to keep them stable or to help stabilize them if they start to deteriorate in mental in in pregnancy so yeah we have had some really great turnarounds so really positive outcomes we've had you know a lot of not a lot of um some of our women experience some family violence as well and we've created safety plans with them and we've had some great success stories from that as well so um because obviously when you're experiencing something like that your mental health is not going to be great and we've had some women really turn their lives around which is they're so strong and we're so proud of them um and we're proud of all of our women and we think they just do such a great job considering how vulnerable they are throughout this time and to see them go home with a smile on their face, to see them at home as well in their natural habitat is also a great indicator um, and they're just so 
yeah, it's it's a it's really we do see a lot of great stories. Sometimes um, our hospital has a mother baby unit connected to it as well. Unfortunately, some of our women end up down there. Well, I should say fortunately because we're so lucky to have that. Um, yeah and our women to have access to that. Um, and they might spend a week, two weeks, few months there and go home and they go home well, um, yeah. which if they had, that wasn't available to them, we don't know what could have happened to them. So, um, so that's a yeah. space where mum and baby can kind of live for X number of yeah. days. Yep. Yep. And yeah. get lots of parenting assessments yeah. and supports, mental health, um, mental health support and treatment. Yeah. And do you see a, um, high number of Indigenous Australians because we know that they're more vulnerable. I'm not sure in, like, we know they're more vulnerable across Australia, mm. but perhaps in Melbourne, mm. I'm not sure. Um, I I don't know the stats of the Indigenous women we see. We actually have a, a fantastic, awesome, can't speak highly enough of her um, Aboriginal midwife liaison who we work really closely with. And she actually has her own clinic now. So um, she sees majority of her women. And if she feels like they're little, would benefit from us, we'll take them under our team, but she'll be involved with them as well. Um, so I wouldn't know the percentage rate of who we, the Indigenous people who we see, because our midwife, our Aboriginal midwife sees majority of those women. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic. That's, there's mm -hmm. a more specified support yeah. as well that is yeah. taking on board their cultural needs. Yeah. 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 And it just depends on their needs. If they do have really significant mental health, she'll refer them to us instead. And she will just, she, cause she's got a really great role. So she it's a really busy role. So she has, she's a midwife, she has her own clinic, but she also works, she can work with these. It's the bub up program. So she can work with these women for up to two years mm -hmm. post baby. Um, so yeah, she, it's a great role. There's not a that she that we need to double her, triple her. It sounds like everyone needs to be um, cloned. Cloned, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, we work with some Indigenous women. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And um, last listener question: Are there any myths that you'd like to bust relating to, uh, I guess, mental health, pre and D and D? Yeah. If not, that's okay. Myths. Hmm. Yeah, no, I can't. Really I think we kind of busted the one. Yeah, I the medication one. Yeah. Is is a big one. Um, it's not true that you have to come off your medication. And I think it was the Royal Women's actually did a study um, with women with mental health on medication. Um, and the the babies actually did better with mothers that were medicated than unmedicated. Mm. So yeah. Um, in terms of that mother-baby connection as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, that's that's yeah. a little good stuff. Medicine has been put into place for a reason. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. assume yeah. that reason continues. It doesn't just disappear. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. And are there any final things that you want to say to women to help them reach out for the support that they need or... Mm any I don't know if there's tips and tricks it's really just I think the whole underline of this whole conversation is just to be open communicate <laughs> speak to people and reach out for supports really absolutely that's yeah. it so yeah drawing on all those supports so your GP maternal child health nurse if you've already um have if you already have a child they they're fantastic um people in the community that can also 
direct you in the right direction. Yeah, um, yeah. Family, friends, um, present to the hospital if you feel awful. Yeah. You can just come to ED, call an ambulance if you're feeling really, really terrible. You know, yeah. you don't know what else to do. There is the psych triage service number for whatever area that you live in. You can look that up and they will link you with the CAT team. People, are, I think there's a real stigma around that, you know, the crisis assessment team as well. But I think they can they can really link you and support you as well in, in a time of, time of need and crisis. Yeah. So they can keep treating you at home. Um, and, you know, you don't. They're not going to drag you into hospital. They're not going to um, take your baby away. No, That's like the no. Scariest yeah, thought, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Really, really scary. Yeah, but no, they're not going to do that. We want mums and babies to stay together. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, That's a big one. so for the listeners who might not have cottoned onto that, the CAT team is the crisis assessment team. And they have, they're kind of like an on-call 24-hour service. Exactly. That women. Mental health service. And professionals can contact for women. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a mix of nurses, psychiatrists that um, assess and treat as need. And they'll, it might be a phone call every day. It might be phone call, visit, phone call, visit, a visit every day. It's really dependent on what that um, person needs and it could be for your partner as well because dads can experience you know mm. depression and anxiety as well relating to becoming a parent so um, if you're worried about your partner you can call the crisis assessment team for them as well so it's not just for women it's for everyone that's a really good point yeah yeah so I suppose it's not called postnatal depression for partners because they haven't been through <laughs> pregnancy mm. but it's still so that's Related a, com- a common thing that men might go through? Absolutely. I think um, all the attention is on these beautiful women and their babies in this pregnancy time. And it can be a really overwhelming time for dads as well because, um, you know, it's a big change in the relationship. In They can be sleep deprived as well. Mm-hmm. St- a lot of them are still working and feeling this need to provide, provide, provide. And that's a lot of pressure. So, um, yeah, lots of men can experience it as well. Yeah, that's really a good point to remember. And men don't talk as much as we do. Yeah. So they're not going to, um, you know, talk to their buddies over a beer about about a lot of that stuff. So I guess it's checking in on your partner or checking in if you're a male listening to this, checking in on your mate that's just his partner's just had a baby, seeing how he's going. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good advice. That's great. Well, we'll we'll finish up um, on the St. Magella Soulful Six. So just six questions, whatever comes to mind when we first ask. Yes. So can you tell us, Hannah, the most inspiring place you've been? Yeah. What's coming to mind is actually my workplace. I work with so many inspiring midwives, doctors, social workers, psychiatrists, everyone is just full of incredible information. And I feel every every day that I go to work, I'm learning something new always. Um, lots of, lots of, I, I really love my work. I'm really, really lucky. Um, and I love everyone that I work with and there's challenging days, but yeah, it's a really it sounds weird, you know. <laughs> no, it sounds great. I, I mean, we all aspire to that. Yeah, and to have a passion for this yeah. type of work as well is so beneficial for yeah. the people that you're serving. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically, it's not, a hospital's not inspiring, but the people <laughs> in it are. So Yeah, amazing. What gives you a brain orgasm? Um, a brain orgasm, again, 
just talking to empowering, inspiring um, women, um, whether that be women that I work with, women that I am providing care for. There's always something that blows my mind about what they're going through or how they've experienced something and come out the other side or this knowledge that they're pouring into my brain. Yeah. There's just so much out there in your tight little circle. So, yeah. Can you tell us your favourite soul nourishing ritual? Yeah. Um, I would say my soul nourishing, I've got a few, but um, on the weekends having a, a cup of coffee from the local coffee shop in bed great love it and also shaking up a nice cocktail of a night time is soul nourishing for me good margarita can't go astray (laughs) i miss margaritas (laughs) i found this coconut tequila oh it's so good tequila that sounds like a holiday oh it is i don't back on the beach (laughs) I'll, i'll make you girls some coconut tequila when you can have a drink again. Yes. Coconut margarita, delicious. Yeah. Unravel the havoc (laughs) for me as well. (laughs) If you could take a nature walk and chat with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Um, I would say on a personal level. So like Hannah at home would love to have a conversation with my mum's mum who's passed away, Mm -hmm. definitely. And professional Hannah would probably love to have a conversation with Ina Mae Gaskin. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Great women. Yes. What is one way you integrate sustainability into your life? Yep. I'm notoriously bad at this, but we have tried to implement a few things. So A, we've just got a power pal installed in our house. You can get it for free. What is that? Um, Tell our listeners. It's a a power pal. So if you go like type into Google power pal, Mm. it's a government thing and they come and put a box on somewhere near your meter box or for your electricity. And it basically tells you, you then install this app on your phone and it will tell you um, what things are burning the most energy in your house. So it's really, really good. It's free. Get onto it. I don't know. Yeah. So you can like, if you turn on, so we've discovered the heat lamp in our bathroom burns through like all this electricity. Yeah. Obviously the dryer is really bad and I'm notoriously bad for using the dryer. So during summer, that's my aim is to try and put, as many things on the line as possible Um, and yeah so that's the power pal app is something that we've just got but also trying to use things like taking our own jars to the um, coffee shop to put milkshakes in and things like that yes drawers we try and buy the sustainable um, sandwich bags and things like that from the supermarket so it's little things that we do we're not we're not great environmentalists Um, we also have started implementing vegetarian meals into our weekly meals instead of just having meat every night so that's little things that we're doing to try and help love it it's all the little things that add up yeah and your greatest achievement yeah so um I think I'm really proud of myself and everything that I've done so I'm one of my greatest achievements sounds sounds a bit vain but I'm I am really proud of myself because I feel like some days I really have imposter syndrome and I'm like how did I get here um and career-wise I yeah anyway so 
I'm proud of myself, but I'm also obviously really proud of my three children. Yes. So, you know, Chloe, Max and Violet and little Violet was actually a twin. So of her little twin as well that we lost at 16 weeks. So all those four are my greatest achievements. So oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And thank yeah. you for sharing all your amazing knowledge. Um, you sound like a very inspirational woman who's yeah. doing oh, a lot thanks. for others, especially for really vulnerable women out in our community. So thank you mm. so much for that. Yeah, there should oh, be no for room me. for imposter syndrome. In <laughs> oh, thank you. No, yeah, I, I feel lots of lots of women have it, don't we? Especially when we've got it's kids common. or even not kids and we're doing well or not. Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. yeah. We, that's been ingrained in our society. Mm, that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I get it even in, as part of St. Magella. Like, who am I to talk about motherhood and women? It's like, no, yeah. no, you're a mother and I'm a woman. I'm a mother and a woman. <laughs> <laughs> no impostering there yeah. yeah no I think you ladies I love loving your podcast and listening to it to and from work it's great and oh, thank you yeah, really really enjoying all the women that you have on there so such, wonderful such a good range and I love how most women their answer to getting a brain orgasm is talking to other inspiring women which is yeah. just so good yeah. we're all this just so, we're on about. The, so on yeah. the same page yeah and we can learn so much from one another so we've all we've all walked different paths so the journeys have all been different and we've all learned different things along the way so let's continue continue walking on different paths and sharing and learning and loving and all of that yes Thanks for listening to the St. Magella podcast. If you love this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. You can also join us in the shift from depleted mother to nurtured mother at www.stmagella.com, on Instagram at St. Magella, or by sharing with a mama friend. Speak soon. Bye.